Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Nile or Nine podcast. This is episode 206 of the Nile or Nine podcast. While Andrea is away a little bit longer, I decided to keep the special guest uh, interview chats going. And who better to talk to than Mary-Kate Gerty, a.k.a. May Kay. May Kay, of course, is the presenter of Other Voices. She's a singer-songwriter and sung with the likes of uh, Elaine May and Jerry Fish and uh, previously Le Galaxy as well. May Kay, most people would know, first of all, as the singer of Fight Like Apes and that band uh, actually split up originally in 2016. They have kind of doing some reunion gigs and uh, playing some of the songs from their first three albums. Most people listening to this will know Fight Like Apes. They were an Irish band that mixed pop and alternative pop culture and synthesizers. Kind of punky rock and roll, all without using guitars. Real funny, acerbic lyrics. A band that were coming at the end of the time where alternative radio really mattered. And the likes of Phantom and TXFM were playing... Fight Like Apes a lot. They split up in 2016, citing um, the difficulties around keeping a band going around that time, you know, uh, keeping finances under control, finding financial support from different um, places. There were their last album, the self-titled Fight Like Apes, was made with a funded campaign. But of course, it's very hard to just uh, rely on funded or uh, crowdfunding campaigns for the creation of your art. So the band found it quite difficult. And uh, in their statement, they said, please buy music in the independent stores, the director of the bands talking about how streaming services just don't give enough um, and how bands are being squeezed, essentially. I think the band had run its course for that point, but now the band are back in a way that uh, makes sense to them. And that is a kind of a celebration on Paddy's Day in London in a venue called The Garage. Fight Like Apes played, which May Kay says is one of the best shows she's ever done. So we're going to chat to her about Fight Like Apes. Um, and one of the things I want to talk to May Kay about is her close affinity with the people of Palestine. She has visited there last year. Meike is very passionate about the uh, plight of the Palestinian people. And So first, let's talk to Meike about Fight Like Apes and the return of them. They are playing the Olympia this Friday. There is a re-release of their debut album on vinyl uh, on Rubyworks. And that title, of course, is Fight Like Apes and the Mystery of the Golden Medallion. Uh, on Rubyworks, there's also a re-release of the third album on vinyl and um, for the first time on aquapop records which came out last week so 
couple of versions of the albums that were never on vinyl now there. I mean, we're talking about songs like Something Global, Jake Summers, Lend Me Your Face, of course, Battle Stations, Do You Karate, Crouching Bees, Pretty Keen on Centerfolds. They did so much and uh, they were such a fun band. And I was listening to the band again this week and it got me very, very excited. And then obviously talking to May Kay about um, her experience of doing these shows again. It just seems like something Friday is going to be the buzz. It's obviously sold out. Um, it's been sold out for a while. Father Gapes had the three Olympia. Obviously, there's always tickets if you know where to look. If you know, look at Teltless or whatever. There's tickets going around if you're interested in going. We'll see if this is the last of their activity for now. But um, certainly, it's one you wouldn't want to miss. So uh, let's chat to May Kay from Fight Lake Apes. And here's a bit of the band. So, make hey. Woo! Hey, how are you? I'm good. <laughs> I'm very good. Nice to have you on the 909 podcast. It's been Thank you. I don't know if we've ever had you on the 909 podcast I now. D- um No, I say that. No, I was on a podcast with you and Sally Cinnamon before. Oh yeah, that was Loose Joints podcast. Yes, yeah, yeah, now yeah, that was great. Defunct. That's right. Yeah, I knew there was something. Yeah. Um yeah, so I wanted to ha- have you on and talk with you about a few things. Um first of all, uh your most recent resurgence as uh, coming out again as Fire Gates. You're doing gigs at the moment. Yep. You've done you've done a couple, and you've got a big one to come on Friday in the Olympia Theatre. So tell me a little bit about how it's going. How was London? You did Paddy's Day on London. It was great. I like. I don't really have the words for it. Um, so we did Bellow Bar at the start of the month, just as a little warm up secret gig thing. Yeah. And we actually, to be fair to us, we've been working really hard. Um, but that can take be very credit. hard. It's okay to take credit. Yeah, I know. I, I don't mean to sound like I'm a dickhead, but we've been working hard. Um, <laughs> like I also, you know, we're professionals, so we're supposed to. It's just that we were never particularly um, polished before. And I wouldn't call us polished now, but I just think um, because so many times over the last few months, we've been like, what the hell are we doing? It's kind of made us work a bit harder. So Bellow Bar was great. And um that that was our first time. I mean, I've been in crowds like lots since, but it was our first time as a band in front of a crowd in seven years. So mm. that was great. And London was just magical. It was really, 
really special. It was one of my favorite, if not my favorite gigs ever. Wow. Um, just like from front to back, everyone going nuts and singing all the songs. And it's just really amazing to see how much people get, how much it means to us, you know, because you don't really know if people understand, um, you know, what it meant to us. And we don't often get to see how much it meant to other people. So it's been a while yeah. since I've been in front of a crowd like that. Um, well, tell me that then. Where does the idea come to? Um, I know it kind of coincides with the vinyl re-release for start. But is that was that the idea? No, that, that was no, a happy, so were, very happy coincidence. Okay. That was a good Ruby Works move of being like, how can we <laughs> make this relevant for the vinyl? Um, so, well, me and Jamie, I think it like not in a bad way, but we kind of took a break from each other for a long time after the band broke up. Um, mm. We needed to kind of make our own lives. It was so, it was a very, very strange, like very strange experience not being in Fight Like Apes anymore. It was like our complete identity, our whole adult yeah. lives we'd been in the band. So um, we just really, we never discussed it. We just kind of drifted away from each other after the band split up. Um, very much made nice lives for ourselves and then started to talk again. And we were just forever talking about it. If I'd be walking home from a pub one night, I'd look at my Spotify the next day and I'd have been listening to Violet Games. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And Jamie well, well, was good. the same. Yeah. And I think Listen to your always... own band is, uh, there's the distance is there now for you. So yes, you were like, okay, I can enjoy this. That's what's actually really, was really cool about it. And what's been really cool about the kind of feeling of playing lately is that there, you know, I mean, every band knows this and it's not not the fault of the guys we were working directly with, with the industry. Like, it's so hard to just write songs as songs or write albums as just like, this is fun. You mm. know, like there's songs that we stopped playing, like Something Global, which was one of our biggest songs because we hated it because it was, it was like the radio one, you know, or mm. whatever. So yeah, I think listening to songs and looking back at them and going, oh my God, you crazy little woman, you were really going through some stuff and same with Jamie. So, I mean, we talked about that a lot and we kind of joked about doing gigs again and it just seemed like the right time. Um, and when we kind of put the feelers out there and people seemed really excited, it was like, I think after the pandemic, it made the decision a lot easier because it was like, it's actually not a big deal. Just do the stupid things. So before it was like, this is a big decision in my whole life and it's going to affect everything. I mean, vaguely narcissistic to that extent, how much we were overthinking it. And then after the lockdowns and just how much people suffered during them and are still to an extent struggling in so many ways for, since them. Uh, it was just like here, if people enjoy this and we enjoy it, let's just do it. So that was kind of easy then. Yeah, that's great. So does playing those songs now feel like practically different to you? Well, like, I can, can you I sense can sing the difference? much better. Okay, that's that's good. <laughs> it's amazing what not screaming every night of the week um, for years will do for your vocal cords. Yeah. Um, how do you mean though? Does 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 it feel different? I mean, did like, those songs hit different songs? for you? Did they, did they hit different in the room? Did you did you feel a difference between playing them now and playing them the last time you were playing? Well, me and Jamie will openly say there's a lot of lyrics we wouldn't be writing if we were writing them today. <laughs> <laughs> that is for certain. I don't know. It's, it's really, it was like, we have been rehearsing a lot, but there's a certain amount of, 
we've had some like rehearsals at the start were so bad that the start of this year that I was like, look, it's no one. We're all terrible. So I'm not pointing the finger at anybody. But if this doesn't get 14 times better, I'm, we're just going to pull the shows. Because there's no point in us. We don't need to do these shows. We just want to do them. Yeah. So if it doesn't get better. Um, but then to be honest, even when we got a little bit better, I was like, this is kind of magic. And yeah, we're just constantly smiling at each other during rehearsals um, and getting really giddy. It's like we're doing a big cover band, a covers show for a band we were actually in. I don't really understand. That makes sense in my head, but I, I don't really understand it. Well, you you probably feel like a different person now. You yeah. Know? And like, I think we've done the hard work. Like, I think we're like in a really rare and incredibly lucky position where like, we know everyone likes the songs that's coming. We know everyone likes the band that's coming. You know, we're not about to walk out onto a stage in front of people to try and impress them. Um... And that's just such a nice feeling that I haven't felt that until the London show hmm. where I was like quite anxious about these things coming up. And then I was just thinking, oh, like, look how happy everyone looks. This is yeah. a great decision. So who did yourself and Jamie bring in to play with you uh, live now for these shows? So we've Peter O'Shea and Connor Gary. So Peter's on drums and Connor's on bass. And they were the la- they were like, that's the last iteration of the band. And then we'll have some surprise guests that would have been with us before. But we're kind of keeping, sorry, I'm not about to call our ex-members gimmicks. They're not. But just aside from that, <laughs> uh, we're keeping the gimmicks to a to an almost zero um, yeah. to just let the songs have their moment. So are you, I mean, is it a bit from all the albums or, or every album getting a look in, every release getting a look in kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, we'll, yeah, we'll do, if, we'll do all of the first album and then a couple from EPs and albums and stuff. Great, great. We're to let some babies go though. We couldn't be on that stage for four hours. So no, there was a couple of difficult decisions made, but look, it's just life guys. Everyone has to make those hard decisions and we fully support you in your endeavor to not keep you all there for four hours. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> So, I mean, let's talk a bit about that in the context of, you know, the time you decided to split, because you'll know as well as anyone and you'll be able, I, I know what your answer would be, but I think it's worth exploring. Like the re, one of the reasons why you guys split in the first place was the support and the landscape for independent bands had really like reduced in terms of radio play and, and financial um, rewards for being able to keep things on the road. I mean, do you feel like any of that has changed at all in the last six years or is it still, is it actually worse <laughs> since then? Yeah. And I feel so bad saying this because I don't think I'm powerful enough to discourage anybody from getting into music if they want to. But I also don't like to add to the kind of conversation about how difficult it can be. And I also don't want to lie. So <laughs> I think it's gotten a little bit worse in the sense that Let's say, for example, we used to have people downloading music illegally and we knew it was illegal and it was acknowledged it was illegal. Now there's a huge corporation that are screwing us and we pay them a teeny bit of money to do it. And we have to kind of do what they say as well. Um, So, I mean, at least before we knew what the difficult part of it looked like. Now I just think we're sitting across the table having a drink with the with the people that are the problem. Yeah. Um I don't know how bands are surviving. I, I just 
I'm just guessing people just all have other jobs like we did. Um, it's so it's when people do that Spotify wrapped um, thing at the end of the year and they're like, we had 42 billion streams. Thank you so much. And it's like, for what? You got 17 cents. Mm. Um, well, I hope it's slightly more than that for that. But, maybe. Yeah. Those are just rough <laughs> figures off the top of my head. Um yeah, but I mean, more than I've that, never but... made, you know, and, and people will always argue if they hear someone say that because they'll say, oh, I'm a, if you're lucky to get playlisted on a few different playlists, then yeah, of course you can make a bit of money. It's still nowhere near what you should be making. And it, it, like what those lads at the top of those companies are making off of mm. us is scandalous. It's absolutely scandalous and, and disheartening. And it creates cracks in things because it's so, you feel like you're living a lie. Like the tension between me and Jamie in particular towards the end was just, I don't think we were annoyed in any way with each other in retrospect. The tension was just off the charts though, because we were mm. just so frustrated. We didn't have anything. We didn't own anything. We didn't have money. We didn't have savings. Um, I was exhausted because I was always working like two other jobs um, to pay rent and stuff. Um and I'm just, I don't know, I really appreciate the way acts can can connect with their audiences more directly now and kind of be more in charge of their aesthetic and their sound and everything. Um, and then I also, for the life of me, it feels like an episode of Black Mirror that labels are being like, we think you're awesome, but we need you to have 10,000 more followers on your Instagram. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know how people deal with that yeah it's um it's the the current conundrum in terms of music in terms of going working with a label or otherwise if you're lucky you can find an independent label who'll support you financially who are big enough or who can make things happen for you but it is still sadly very very difficult um live is really the only way anyone can make any money live or sync if you're lucky to have mm. syncable music then fine but uh everything else is very very difficult and i think there's still a lot of people who don't maybe understand maybe the last couple of years have helped in terms of um a lot of people talking about spotify and stuff like that but it still hasn't hit fully to the mainstream probably a lot most of the users who use spotify are just like happy whatever they don't care yeah um, and, I think and that's, that's a tough thing I mean. you can kind of be like yeah well i do pay for it and it's like do the maths for two seconds and imagine how much artists are getting paid if that's all you're paying for your service yeah but i think even you even said that in your in your statement at the time was mm. that you know i mean the ads the the numbers don't add up like you know buy band merch and and vinyl and you're gonna you're selling some vinyl now and you're able to you know hopefully make some money off that and that's great but like yeah you have to do that coming from some a band who have already had a wave of success and come back and then oh my god exactly and like to be honest this this is something that i thought was really funny i was chairing a panel for ireland music week last year and this guy this guy in the audience this is going to sound a bit harsh but i just kind of agreed with the panelist and I thought it was just an interesting point. So the guy in the audience is like, basically, I can't make any money off music. It's impossible. You know, what do you advise? And the guy was like, how long have you been doing it? And he said something like a year or whatever. And then you're, the guy was like, okay, you started your own business a year ago. It was highly unlikely you were going to make money by now anyway. Um, 
and that they're you can't just say I'm a musician now where is my dough like you can't it doesn't doesn't work that way and it can't work that way so I do think people to an extent as well but I love just completely arguing with myself immediately a point that I've made um but I do think that people as well who are starting out you do need to treat it and it's not you don't have to treat creating of music as a business of course not but the selling of your music and the selling of yourself is a business you know and yet that means you have to have a plan and you have to have some money to start with and there's lots of other things involved um and i i think that that knowledge and access to that knowledge is so much better these days i really yeah yeah absolutely yeah you see it on panels like that like usually not that there's ever a stupid question to ask at a panel, all questions should be encouraged, but certainly the level of um, knowledge that comes with the questions being asked are much greater than they used to be maybe 10 or 15 years ago, yeah. um, which is because the access of information is out there. But if, if you give it like, what would you do differently if you went back to that era and was like, okay, I'm going to do, I'd like to just do this. <laughs> so if I what would back- you not do? I'd work harder. I mean, it's me and Jamie are looking back on that whole time a lot now, obviously. And it's a very simple answer to say it was the the business itself. Um, and, and that is the truth. But I think we got bogged down by the business much earlier on than we should have. And if you've got something to blame when things aren't working out, it's rare that you'll actually look at yourselves and go, what could we be doing better? Mm. Um. Yeah, I mean, if we discovered, for example, vitamins or the actual importance of hydration or something, I mean, I don't know if anybody talking about hydration back then. <laughs> like, it's crucial. You heard about this thing called water, guys? It is or bananas? Or like fruit and whatever. <laughs> but like, seriously, you know, I just think I, I said this recently in an interview with um, Lauren Murphy. I'm not blaming anybody for like, the way we behaved or anything and that's the truth but you know it's so cool now for bands to be sober it's like a really cool statement to make it's so cool for them to be fit it's so cool for them to talk openly about their mental health and like it just none of that was cool when we started yeah um so i would definitely take care of myself more um i would definitely uh have have made the people that worked with us treat us more as individuals and see what was happening between us as people and not just looked at us as one big thing and what what what's this group of people producing i wish we'd been looked at more personally um uh and again i i i don't mean to like imply that i'm blaming anybody but if i could go back that's the knowledge that i would that would be at the top of my head. Mm, yeah, because that kind of artifice of the rock and roll artifice is kind of gone. You know, it's like, it's not cool anymore to be an arsehole. <laughs> it's not cute. <laughs> yeah. You're like, actually, you're just annoying and no yeah. one wants to be dealing with you because yeah. you're you're not being respectful to yourself or anyone else. So you're like, uh, yeah. no. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen anyone be an absolute arsehole on a stage. So it's probably going to happen it's again it's soon. so true. Now yeah. I do miss, like, again, I'm just going to like contradict myself. I do miss like the things and yeah, yeah, yeah. that kind of, I do miss it a bit. But I mean, he was, Nilo was lovely. It's not like he was being, yeah, a dick to people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah fair enough. Yeah. The bravado oh, I do miss. Yeah. Fair enough. 
And so is there anything happening beyond these shows, the show next week or this Friday? Uh, have you thought about it any further or is it just? We'll just see. Like the thing is, we were only going to just do one and that be it. But like the amount of work we put into this, we were like, oh my God, like I can't put this much into just one show. So I think if if, if Friday goes good, um, we'll take a bit of a breather because we've been pretty flat to the mat as well as all the other stuff we all have going on. So, but I would be surprised if I don't become like addicted to this feeling again. Okay. Yeah. Have you missed that then? I mean, cause you've been doing loads of things. You've been, well, you've been mostly seeing with others, right? Yeah. People like Elaine May and. Yeah. I was with the galaxy for, for a few years after course, Pilot Day yeah. split up and like, I mean, I know you know that. Sorry. I was just saying that to anybody who <laughs> yeah. didn't know that. Um, and so I had like, like they obviously anyone who's seen them knows that they like have just like magical shows. So I got to do that as well with them, um, with Elaine May. I've gotten to do some incredible shows, particularly with Mother, DJ Cormac, um, Jack O'Rourke, Jerry Fish. I I made an album last year that I'm going to stop being a procrastinating hypocrite about really soon. I actually saw a clip of myself the other day talking about how people needed to just get their music out there. I was like, you hypocrite. Yes. <laughs> Little gremlin on my shoulder telling me to stop being a hypocrite. Um, but with the Fight Like Ape stuff, um, it's just different. It's just different. There was a, It was a time in people's lives. We all kind of grew up together a little bit. And we, I think, allow people to be angry and loud while dancing. Um, and that's pretty cool yeah and i can see it like you know people are crying and smiling and laughing the other night in in london i was just like yeah this is different good nice mm. all right so that's um that's hopefully it all goes well for you on friday i'm sure it will no doubt <laughs> um i wanted to talk to you about something else as well that i heard you um speak about and, and you've been talking about a lot recently and, and you went to palestine last year and if you are able to, I'd like you to just expand a bit about your your experience in Palestine and why it's so important. Um, and it's such a loaded thing talking mm. about Palestine because the way that most of the Western world uh, perceives it or otherwise, it can be, it is conflicted. It is, there are people uh, who um, say one thing and then say the other, but, you know, Palestine is an apartheid state essentially it is a place that is under occupation so can you talk a bit about your experience with uh, what led you to uh, go there and um, and what you learned really from that yeah. time and thank you for letting me talk about it because that is the most important thing um and i can only talk about my own experience and do justice to what i've been asked to speak about and, and the way I've been asked to speak by Palestinians. Um, so if anybody, if anyone who's Palestinian uh, disagrees with anything I'm saying, please just uh, say so um, when you hear this and, and I'll, I will listen. Um, so I went to, biz very bizarrely, got a call one morning, actually a year ago, um, to say that there's a truck convoy going to Ukraine 
and that one of the guys had to drop out and the convoy couldn't go without him because they needed a navigator to go in the front truck. And I was just like, I'll go. And like, it's not the type of thing that I do. I'd never done anything like that before. Mm. Um, and so there's a lot to be said for with that trip. That like that was like two weeks driving across Europe to the border of Ukraine with um with aid. Uh and it's I mean, Irish aid is such a special thing. Everyone knows this. It's like there's such good quality. Like it's so respect incredibly respectful because there are people that honestly put like rubbish in bags and give them to charity places. It's just crazy. But anyway, it was a wonderful experience and I was so proud of Irish people. Um, like anyone I talked to that I'd say I was going to Ukraine, they would get teary eyed and be like, that is incredible. And it did confuse me a bit why I don't hear as much about Palestine. Now, obviously the timing was crucial this time last year because it had just started. But at the same time, I was very aware because mainly because of um, an, an Instagram account called Akli Palestine um, about how bad it was in Palestine. And I knew how long it had been going on, but I hadn't really thought about it too much. Mm. Um, and so I knew of a group, I knew of a camp in Bethlehem in the occupied West Bank that was taking in international volunteers that would basically come and volunteer in this refugee camp for two weeks while being educated on the ground, what's happening in Palestine. Um, and again, like just for anyone listening, who's like, oh, I couldn't do that. Like, I didn't think I could do it either. Um, and it was the most amazing experience of my life and it's completely changed my life. So, uh, what I got to see every day, I mean, in this, in this, uh, the Jasmine Flera kindergarten in the Laji Center um, in Ida Camp, you know, it's, it gets tear gassed every single day. Um, and, and maybe, I mean, we can talk about being desensitized to things or whatever, but I just, you can't unsee it once you're there and you can't hear the lies anymore. And we are, the whole world is complicit in those lies because if you want to talk about the, like, it's an incredible lobby to suggest that there's a complication or that there's like confusion between Israel yeah. and Palestine. There is no confusion. There is no complication. Israel is illegally occupying Palestine. The settler camps in the middle of, of Palestine, full of the most violent racist people who attack children, who throw buckets of urine on children as they're going to school to dehumanize them. I mean, why else would you be doing that? Mm. Train their, I mean, I, I, someone said, I heard someone say before about how Palestinians train their kids to fight. What would you do? What would you do if your kids were being attacked on their way to school? What would you do if they were being attacked by Israeli people who are aided by the Israeli occupation forces, who are guarded by armed forces and they themselves are armed. Nobody, uh, do, never allow anybody to say, oh, there's two sides to this story. There's two sides to every story. It's such a stupid thing to say. But in this situation, there's one people who are being wiped out system systematically for the past 75 years. They're being wiped out. So who cares, actually? They're not even, I mean, and you can talk about 
Gaza and how Gaza have retaliated. They, why do we understand? Why did we understand the Irish people's right to defend themselves? Why do we understand the Ukrainian people's right to defend themselves? Why are we not putting Palestine and Palestinians in that same bracket? It's crazy because I'll tell you why it's easier to ignore it. And that's the only reason. But there's also, like you said, a lobby that has obfuscated the truth in terms of what actually is happening. And then every, every you get, because of that, maybe you get desensitized or you get, you're like, oh, you get confused and you're like, oh God, and being told different things to address that. You just went and we're like, mm. okay, well, what's, what's going on here? Cause like sometimes it's, it's, it's quite difficult to talk about or to uh, engage I know I have people in my life who engage with Palestine pretty regularly in terms of um, support for uh, Palestinian people, but it's, you see how difficult it is to get the word out there and to be heard because it happens so often. Like there's so many, what they killed, Israel killed 222 Palestinians last year, 55 of them were children. And I know there's been plenty already this year. So it's like, this is constantly happening. Every now and again, there's like a flare up uh, where the international community um protest and 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 do things as a result of what the of israeli action but then it settles back into that kind of complacency again so it's so difficult to um i'm sure to to like be a supporter of palestine but then also to try and make something happen because i can see the parallel there what you're saying about ukraine how could you go to ukraine and then not kind of go to palestine in a way because you're like this is a legacy that's been you know, there for so many years and therefore it's embedded itself into as a problem long, long term. So like, yeah. So like, what would you like people to know about Palestine yourself from being there? And what, what do you think they will, the Palestinians would want people to know? Well, first of all, Palestine is a beautiful place and has beautiful culture, food, art, music, dancing, they're beautiful people. We've been raised, you know, even in action movies and cartoons, like the big white, blue-eyed Captain America protects us from these Middle Eastern looking people, you know? And so that's been going on a long time. You know, this isn't like a new thing that started um, and that that we've suddenly been brainwashed. You know, it's been a long going thing that mm. we should be like, Oh, like their culture is too extreme. Like, I don't want to hear anybody in Ireland or America describe Muslim culture or their faith as too extreme, because obviously there are like there are extremisms in everything. It's not based on that faith itself being. And the people are beautiful people and they're funny. And they're incredibly hardworking. They are obviously resilient beyond my comprehension. If the school gets tear gas, the kids still get sent to school because existence is resistance. Um, they will not they will not stop living their lives and doing the best they can with their lives, um, regardless of what's happening to them. It's a very good point that you make that, you know, that for a long time, the message has been blurred and it's blurred so much. And anti-Semitism has been brought into the fray. Um, someone who obviously will remain nameless asked me when I got back. Ask me kind of about anti-Semitism. And I mean, I was so horrified at the idea that someone would think any decent person has conflated this issue with anything to do with the Jewish people. It is, mm. it is zero 
to do with it. And there are so many brilliant Jewish organizations that are very pro-Palestine and very hardworking in making sure that that message doesn't seep in because that's another thing, obviously, that makes people go, I'm not going near that. I'll just leave that. There's no point. Um, what would break your heart is in Palestine, they video everything. So you know the way it's really not in our nature, our culture to pull out a mm. video camera at like a funeral or at a fight or if there's a fight or something. But they want to do it all the time because all they say is surely if people knew what was happening, they'd come to save us. And the little kids say that. Surely if people knew what was happening mm. to us, they'd come and save us. Um, so that's what I want people to do. I want people to talk about it. Um, Ackley Palestine is where I would advise you to start uh, on Instagram. A-C-L-A-I-P-A-L-E-S-T-I-N-E. Um, and it's led by an incredible Irish guy. And it's a gym basically in the Laji Centre there. And they do incredible things for people and they're doing, they fundraise a lot. So if you feel like compelled to donate, um, there's a link on that Instagram page, a GoFundMe to donate on that page. So I would donate to that place. It's going to go towards that gym being kept open. It's going to go towards that incredible Jasmine Flair kindergarten full of the most adorable children you've ever seen in your life. Um, and talk about it. And if you ever get a chance to go, please go. They're actually running a volunteer camp the first two weeks in August this year. And if anybody wants to talk to me about it, please get in touch. Yeah, sure. And you also brought like the some people from the Laji Centre over last year well, as well. I, I, well, I'd you were, love you were, to take credit for no, that. Not, the, I'm not going to give um, you credit for Yeah, <laughs> you tell me. You tell me how your, what your involvement was. Well, I was so glad because I was heartbroken, as was everybody else I was with leaving Palestine. We were heartbroken. But luckily... Two weeks later, we'd there's a group called IPSC, the Irish Palestine Solidarity Committee, um, together with a couple of other organizations, um, with Orlo O'Neill and Fidel Mabonas, and they brought over 22 uh, young people and community leaders from the refugee camp to do a cultural tour of Ireland. Um, I was there helping them apply for visas, so I know people go. I thought they weren't allowed to leave. I, the work they have to do to leave is scandalous they have to get permission off israel to leave their own country it's horrendous but they got to so they danced and they sang and they went to the klissa moher and did their dabka dance and then they played in workman's club me and anla put on a show in workman's club um they got to watch colin McNamara, um claire sands um lochran family like a trad family um, and it was just one of the most gorgeous nights ever. And we were heartbroken when they were leaving because we knew even within the 10 days they'd been away, things had, had um, gotten worse exponentially in the homes they were going back to. Mm. Um, so that was really, really rough. But um, I'll be back. I'll be going back this year. So Very good. Mm. Lovely. And I have enough Palestine jerseys for a full team now. <laughs> I actually have to stop buying Palestine jerseys. Okay, good, good. Um, well, thanks for sharing that story with us and, and your experiences because it is very important. And um, best of luck with the Final Games gig on Friday. I'll be there, of course. I'm looking forward oh, yeah. to it. Of course I'll be there. Right. Yay. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it big time. It's going to be very yeah, cool. Me too. I am now. <laughs> I never thought I'd get to this week and be looking and not be just a, a mess. So it's so nice to actually be enjoying this week. Great. Lovely. Well, thanks for joining me. And I really thanks appreciate it. Thanks for having it. me, Niall. Free right, Palestine. Thanks. Yep. Same goes for you, Alex.
Special thanks to May Kay from Violet Gapes for joining me. Um, if you are looking for more information on what um, May Kay was talking about, Aklai is the name of the gym. She's talking about ACLAI um, uh, training gym uh, based out of Cork that also is in Palestine as well. And if you want to follow what May Kay is up to, whether it's um, Violet Gapes or other voices or that upcoming album she mentioned, very nice to hear. Uh, and also her activism around Palestine uh, is uh, Instagram.com forward slash MayK316. Uh, check it out there. Looking forward to the uh, gig this Friday. The self- and as I mentioned, the self-titled third album um, was released last week on vinyl. And then previously, Fight Like Apes and The Mystery of the Golden Medallion, the debut album was released on... Uh, Rubyworks, so that is available on Bandcamp and Rubyworks. So uh, that's the vinyl reissues of those two albums. That's two episodes you've got this week. So if you like what you're hearing and you appreciate the work we do here, do not forget it's patreon.com forward slash 909. Your support is always really appreciated. I'm sure there's plenty of podcasts you like and subscribe to and you listen to, and everyone goes on about the uh, subscription model on Patreon. It's really, really important if you can give us a fiver a month. It really does help pay the bills. And one aspect of what Nine Nine is is just the podcast. It's also the website as well. Huge overheads uh, every month in there, in able to uh, keep that going. But also, you know, for yourselves, if you want to uh, access a really cool little, as I mentioned last week, a group of us went to the uh, Lighthouse Cinema in Dublin last week to uh, watch the. Meet Me in the Bathroom documentary in the Lighthouse. And uh, so that's true to Discord. The Discord is where loads of stuff happen. Loads of people talking about music, uh, talking about TV and films and books. And uh, we have a music league and um, lots of chat about music and articles, sharings and things like that. So, look, it's a great place to be. Um, The intention is to keep it uh, semi-private, as in only for Patreon members only, so that it remains a nice, small, supportive, cool community. So... It's patreon.com forward slash 909 where you get access to our Discord. Uh, it's essentially like an internet forum back in the day, uh, except for you have to join the Patreon to access. So that's it, patreon.com forward slash 909. And uh, our previous episode is a Meet Me in the Bathroom documentary special uh, chat with um, Dave Hanratty of the No Encore podcast. Uh, next week, we will be back with Andrea after her trip to um, India. So we will talk to you then. Uh, until then, see you later. Bye.
Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.